good evening to everybody listening and watching wherever and whenever this podcast finds you. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up for the 25th of January 2020. This week's wrap-up is sponsored again by eToro. This is a very innovative and cool platform that allows both newbies as well as experienced traders to be able to take advantage of some very unique and innovative tools that they offer for people who are brand new to trading. You want to make sure that what you're doing is actually going to work. You don't want to just shoot by the hip. You want to do a lot of your own research and feel very comfortable. So what they allow you to do is have a virtual wallet that basically allows you to practice your strategies on real order books without actually risking any real money. And so what this does is that you can practice those strategies. If it's working out, then you'll be able to see it in real numbers. If it's not working out, then it's not any of your real money at risk. They also offer copy trading, which lets you go out and find amongst their 11 million other traders on their social media platform that they have there on eToro. You could find traders that know what they're doing. And once you kind of feel comfortable with their trading strategies and their returns and basically all the information that they're putting out and you feel like it's they're pretty on the money, no pun intended or pun intended, however you want to take it, you could actually allocate a percentage of your portfolio, whether it's one, five, 10, whatever percent. And you could do this for as many traders as you want, obviously not more than a hundred percent. And whenever they make a trade, let's say, uh, let's just say that they buy Bitcoin at 8300 right now. Your portfolio will buy, depending on the allocation, uh, uh, if you allocate 10% and you have $1,000, it'll buy $100 with a Bitcoin at that price. When they sell it at, let's say, 10000 it sells that for you, and you get to keep the profit of that with the uh, advanced trader who you're copying uh, getting a little piece of that action. So every time they buy and they sell, so do you. If you're an advanced trader, just like I said, you get a little piece of that action. So if you can go out there, you can build a reputation, you can build a following, you can have people copying your trades right now, expand your actual portfolio and what you're doing to a much larger size with all these other traders. And you're getting a little piece of the profit that they're making by copying your trades. So head on over to didyouknowcrypto.com slash eToro, that's E-T-O-R-O, and you will get not only access to eToro, it'll make them happy because you're using my affiliate link, but by using that link and depositing about $200 or more, you'll get $50 for free. That's 50 bucks, absolutely free, from eToro deposited right into your trading uh, wallet there. So welcome to the beautiful By the Bay Basement Studios. Um, today I'm not joined by my 1995 Batman Forever Riddler Cup. I am joined by a very standard water bottle and filled with, you guessed it, water. And today we're going to be covering a bunch of stories from Tether Gold to uh, the Bank of International Settlements and CBDCs. Uh, Quebec kind of screwing the pooch on Bitcoin mining and Litecoin as Bitcoin's gold. And that narrative may be faltering a bit. So first, let's look at price. Since the last weekly wrap up, we saw Bitcoin jumped over about $9,000 and it has since fallen um, down to about the 8300-ish range and currently sitting right now at 8333 as of 25 January 2020. So if you have been on Twitter or in the crypto universe, 
you will have seen Tethers announce plans to basically create a brand new stable coin that they're going to be calling Tether Gold. And it is going to be another ERC-20 token on the Ethereum network. And it's going to be supposedly backed one to one for every Tether Gold. You get is backed by one troy ounce of gold currently valued at about 1568 US dollars at time of recording. Uh, they said that they would have full custody of this gold. It would be controlled by Tether and stored in a yet unnamed Swiss vault facility. Um, the problem is, is that given Tether's sordid history of promises and promises broken in regards to their claims of solvency for the, their original product, USDT, US dollar Tether, which was supposed to be one-to-one -one backed, but was re revealed to be only about I believe about three quarters um, within a few percentage points of that. It was about three quarters back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I personally wouldn't put a lot of trust in their claim to back this one-to-one -one until there's more information regarding their auditing procedures. Third-party audit procedures is really the thing that we're looking for in this. And not that I'm saying that it's the best idea. I don't really think that these are the worst idea compared to everything else that we have seen. But until they really, I, I really feel like they need to go above and beyond on this to really give me any sort of an inkling of confidence in their ability to back up their claims. Um, I wouldn't personally have much to do with this. Uh, they said that there would be no storage fee for holders of US dollar gold, or I'm sorry, Tether gold. Basically, um, it, this means that they're going to be eating the industry standard of about half to 1% uh, annually themselves. Uh, likely, this is an early bid to lure investors with lower costs to outweigh the diminished confidence in their products that they have rightfully earned for themselves. So for each ounce of gold they store in the facility, um, they are using this facility is likely to be charging them that, you know, half to 1% somewhere around in there is about an industry standard for storing. And this is about 78 bucks per US, um, or I'm sorry, I keep on saying that tether gold annually. Um, if this is, uh, 78 bucks goes for the 0.5%, um, or half a percent of storage fees. And this can only really last so long with, with large volume which is what they would be hoping for. So this is likely to change in the future. And for them to actually maintain this, they're, they're going to have to charge some sort of premium over spot to maintain solvency in the long run. So, you know, if you went to you, any of these kind of gold storage holders, I was looking at different companies all around. And basically what this is, is a lot of times like you will buy gold from them and you're buying gold quote-unquote physical gold and what they're what they'll do is they'll just hold it for you if you don't actually want to have it shipped to your house this allows you to sell it back to them later if you're more doing it as an investment but want to have the ability to actually take um possession of the gold one day if you so choose compared to say like a gold etf like if you're using um i think it's spqr uh, the gold etf on on the nasdaq you there's no gold backing for that. You can't go to them and say, hey, I would like my gold in exchange for selling this ETF. They'll tell you to pound sand, sell it, take that cash and buy gold if you want to. 
with these companies, what they do is they'll take it and they will hold it for a, a fee. On top of this, they start charging fees. They have a premium overspot, all that kind of good stuff. And really what this is, is all the gold that they have is stored in one vault. It's not some special vault with your name on it or a special box with your name on it. It just, they're going to put down in their own ledger and, and hold that for you. And supposedly Tether Gold's going to be doing this. I don't have a lot of confidence in it and the fact that they still haven't been able to get up to a one-to-one -one on their dollar. And they're saying that, trust us, we're going to buy a gold ounce every time and we're going to do the auditing. Eh, I don't know. Uh, next, the Bank of International Settlement, Settlements, the BIS, released a survey showing that 30% of central banks were currently working right now on projects relating to the release of a CBDC. That is a central bank digital currency or just a digital fill-in-the-blank, digital dollar, digital yuan, digital whatever. Uh, like uh, the digital yuan, for example, we've been talking about for a while. They seem to be at the forefront of this. 10% uh, of those, 10% uh, total, which includes that 30% I just mentioned, said that they were actually close to releasing and or that they were developing pilot projects to start getting that ground ground laid to actually release it. The remaining 70% said that they had no plans at all to release a CBDC in the foreseeable future. This doesn't mean that they're never going to. They are. Uh, it just means that right now they're really not doing too much to research it or anything like that. And that's not surprising at all. Central banks see the tide that's coming and they want to ride it. And while that 70% figure seems daunting, these are basically just central bank followers um, or I should say central banks who are just following the larger central banks that are kind of running point on this. And they're waiting for others to do this so they can see what works and what doesn't, and then just copy what they do since there is really more incentive for them to learn from the mistakes of others than to be a pioneer, you know, because central banks have been talking about this for a long time, pre Bitcoin, a, a digital version, uh, India in particular has wanted to do away with cash for a very long time. And, you know, they are, you know, much more conservative in nature than private institutions. You see, really, what you see here is the hubris of centralization and institutionalization. They are comfortable in their positions that they are in right now. They are under the mistaken impression that what has always been always will be and that their position as the default is secure. They just need to kind of work on some things and people will just stick with them no matter what. It's like Sears. Really, if you look at it, Sears did not innovate. Sears saw Amazon rise. They saw Google rise. They saw things like uh, online shopping. You know, I already mentioned Amazon, but very specifically Amazon and a lot of these others. And they did not innovate at all. They thought, you know, people like to come in the stores. They like to grab that wrench and look at it. They like to grab uh, that vacuum cleaner and look at it. And to an extent, there were a lot of people who still like to do that. But that is a dying demographic. If you offer free returns on things that you don't like, there's not that much incentive to want to go there and make sure you like it before you buy it. Sears, as you know, is uh, pretty much gone on the final end of their of their death spiral. Um, it you know, and it, it probably is actually a really good thing that they have this much hubris, that they have this much lack of foresight. Um, you know, that I, I pretty much, I, I really am thankful that they lack the foresight and innovative thinking 
to understand really what is coming. And we are frankly better off, uh, better off um, because of it. So actually I kind of wish the numbers were a little bit lower than, than, uh, than 30%. Uh, in North Quebec, um, or I should say in the North, uh, Quebec seems to have shot themselves, or I guess it depends on where you're coming from. Uh, if you're up in Alaska or you're in the, uh, in the, uh, in Northern Europe, Quebec may be a bit, uh, south of you, uh, in, in terms of longitude. But for me in the North, Quebec seems to, uh, uh, from this latest story that's been released about their, um, Bitcoin mining foray, they seem to have shot themselves in the foot, um, for the basically the global Bitcoin mining wars as they have decreased projected demand for their product. So back in March of 2018, local authorities had stated that they were not interested by local. I mean, the really local authorities had uh, stated that they were, had no interest in having any power whatsoever allocated for Bitcoin mining. They got overruled a few months later by the Quebec provincial government, which is basically like their state government. Um, because they lifted the moratorium on mining that they had previously imposed. Um, and they specifically said that they did not want to, quote unquote, miss the boat. They reported unprecedented demand when they started taking requests for use of their hydro dam facilities. And they got to the point where they stopped processing requests, which is just a bad idea anyways, stating that it would interfere with other power obligations in the area, specifically to, let's say, residential and other businesses. Hydro-Quebec uh, had proposed some new rules for requests from crypto companies after this that you know, they were trying to whittle it down by trying to evaluate the investments that they would, these each of these companies would make in the local area. Problem is that the local councils, once again, decide to drag their feet. They uh, refused to ratify any of this stuff and eventually it was decided the 30 megawatt block was going to be allocated for this use in lieu of any concrete plans that they could get ratified problem being is, is that it seems like the big players a year or so later um ones who had have made significant investments of time and money in these areas uh for long term as well are gone and newest releases for power demands are by Bitcoin miners that are interested in using it are lackluster at best. Um, prompting calls by some that the initial government, um, uh, that the government initially overestimated or were, they kind of are intimating that they lied about the amount of, uh, amount of demand for this um, for Hydro-Quebec. But I really feel like this is just patently false. There was a high demand, but instead of doing what a private company would do and say auctioned off its use to the highest bidders, uh, they quibbled and they complained for over a year weighing such just ridiculous things like who would provide the most to a local community, you know, who would give the most tangential benefits uh, to these areas. And during that time, interest in, you know, people that were interested, companies that were interested moved to places who just wanted their business. That was it. So money always goes where it is treated best. And in terms of North America, Texas seems to be leading the way for Bitcoin miners. Uh, there's quite a few stories that I did before where there, in, there, there's a lot of Bitcoin mining interest in Texas uh, because of the abundance of energy, just like you have in Quebec, or I should say abundance of cheap energy, just like Quebec. And 
But in Texas, it does not seem like they're attaching a bunch of prereqs, a bunch of, you know, social and local economic goals that they want all these boxes checked and just saying, hey, come here, build. Thank you. That's it. If you let's just say you had no restaurants in your hometown and Applebee's and TGI Fridays and Pizza Hut wanted to build there, would you cut out the things that are making it difficult for them to say yes to moving in the area and less attractive for them to build there? Or would you spend over a year being hot and cold and hot and cold um, at, you know, on the incentives of wanting them to pick you over some other area, asking them, oh, well, but what will you do for the community? How much investment are you going to make outside of just your operations? You know, while the next town over is making it really easy. This is not hard to figure out why they did not go there. We see a great example in this, how markets function. Quebec made it hard. Texas made it easy. Now Texas has a lot of Bitcoin miners. Um, what this means is that eventually there will be people. and It doesn't mean that there's not going to be people now going in, but the demand is really, really low. And it's probably going to stay that way until the point where having all this kind of hassle, uh, either Quebec brings down their requirements and starts to just go, we just want to do business, or they continue to be dumb and they waste years and years and years of low demand. And finally, to the point where Bitcoin miners are just going to go anywhere, they it crosses that threshold of the risk reward ratio is finally in Quebec's favor, which some of them may go see this is what happens. People will come eventually as long as you just hold to your principles. Yeah, but you missed out on one year, two year, three year, five years, 20 years of business. So there you go. Uh, finally, there was a article in Cointelegraph that deep dived into Litecoin and its narrative as the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Specifically, they were going over literal silver to Bitcoin Bitcoin's gold um, as the primary meme and narrative for Litecoin. What it showed was there was low correlation in terms of actual gold to silver, Bitcoin to Litecoin silver prices. So the correlation of Bitcoin to Litecoin was not correlated with gold, actual gold to silver. Now, to be fair, uh, I did an interview with Andrew Yang, not the presidential candidate, but the currency hot, uh, holder on, if you know him on Twitter. I did this last year on this, we touched on this very topic. Basically, he was making the case for Litecoin to me. Um, he explained it was less of a, in his in his estimation, it was less of a direct Bitcoin is gold, Litecoin is silver, um, but more of a how silver has more economic utility, um, whereas gold has more state uh, store of value utility. And its correlation to Litecoin as being uh, uh, more economic utility in terms of being a test bed for Bitcoin, testing out new things. Um, they had Lightning before Bitcoin did. They, are, they did Schnorr and all this kind of stuff before Bitcoin is going to. Um, and they are faster to innovate, you know, than Bitcoin. To be fair, and and I told him this afterwards, I was unconvinced by these arguments, despite he made a great effort. He was very articulate. Uh, he did a great job. It's just that uh, you can only do so much and you can only make such a good argument if the facts just don't line up, then at the end, the, the argument falters uh, for me. Um, and I see this as more of an argument of being 
value of Litecoin having value to Bitcoiners, but not really to Litecoiners. Um, if you are a Bitcoiner, I can see value in Litecoin as far as toleration of it, since if an innovation that Litecoin is implementing that's going to be or proposed to be on Bitcoin um, ends up breaking on Litecoin, ends up breaking Litecoin, um, it's better Litecoin does this than Bitcoin does this. But if you're a Litecoiner, there's no utility in this idea of, well, if things are going to break, it's going to break on us and not on Bitcoin. It makes it, like I said, a great utility to Bitcoin. Um, Litecoin's major difference with Bitcoin topically is, not culturally, but topically is it's Mining algorithm is different. Um, this is supposed to make it more democratic or whatever versus uh, versus uh, you know using specialized mining software. And it has a shorter block time, two and a half minutes versus five. In terms of payments though, you know when we're talking about it, waiting two and a half minutes versus waiting 10 minutes um, is really no more useful to the average consumer when we're talking about someone who wants to pay for gas at the pump. Um, 10 minutes is way too long to wait. That's just not going to work. Um, two and a half minutes is still way longer than most people are ever going to want to wait for. They're not going to want to sit. If you can imagine checking out at the store and every person, after all the checking out, after all the, oh, wait, can you take this off? And then this gets bagged up. And then when they go and scan that QR code, you still have to wait two and a half minutes. That's just not that's that's not anything a business is going to want to have anything to do with. Um, they don't have the patient, patience. And really, at the end of the day, fees are going to be pretty roughly the same. Um, if Litecoin had the same transaction volume as Bitcoin does, since they are saying they're not going to increase their block size either, which drives down fee prices. Um you know, moving on to the second layer, which Litecoin has emphatically said that they are going to be moving um, to Lightning as well. Um, I, I don't see any noticeable difference between Bitcoin or using Litecoin on Bitcoin versus Lightning on Litecoin. Um, as I stated, there wouldn't be much of a noticeable difference in either the point where you wanted to settle on the main chain, since it's like, let's just say Litecoin volume and Bitcoin volume were the same. <clears throat> and uh, settling on the main chain had roughly the same fees, w w what's the point? Uh, and it wouldn't be astronomically cheaper, right? Uh, Litecoins would, would likely be cheaper, but not that much. It wouldn't be like Bitcoin's 100, Litecoin's a dollar. You know, it'd be like Bitcoin's 100, Litecoin's 30 or 40 or something along those lines. In the end, Litecoin is really just too similar to Bitcoin to compete with Bitcoin itself. But it's not different and innovative enough to compete with Bitcoin's com competition either. You know, and in my opinion, and this is not financial advice, do your own research, decide for yourself. Don't do anything just because I said something. But I don't see a, a use for Litecoin. I don't see a use for buying and holding Litecoin at all, uh, unless you're some sort of speculative trader. And then that's a whole different ballgame. Um, so that's just my two cents. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's weekly wrap up. Um, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. Go click on the Apple icon at digionocrypto.com. Leave a five star and a written review. It really, really helps out. It's the biggest thing you could do for me. Also head over to supportmypodcast.com. All the other ways to help out, but there's also a button that says listener supporter discounts. There's a bunch of discounts on things like Bitcoin tax software, art, 
um, hardware wallets like KeepKey and Trezor, uh, in a, a mushroom coffee, on it supplements, things like that. So those are absolutely free. And those are because I would just want to say thank you guys for listening, for watching, for helping out, for doing all the things you do. So if you're on YouTube, click over here, little subscribe button a little bit farther. If you're on mobile, click that. Once you click subscribe, you're going to see a little uh, bell icon. Click that and it gives you an update whenever I get a new video. So thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening and have a great night.